welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Hey there, it's May 24th, 2023. I'm Rick Morton, and this is the Defender Podcast. Well, thanks again for joining us here on the Defender Podcast as we start out the last Wednesday in May. Uh, we're right at the end of the month. We're, we can see the finish line coming. Uh, for a lot of us, that means we've lived through college graduations and high school graduations and exam weeks and into school parties and all that kind of stuff. And, and we're kind of seeing school come to an end. And so that's that's really the occasion for today's podcast. We want to spend some time talking about summer and about the challenges that summer and the transitions to summer bring. Uh, my guest today joining me is uh, one of one of my dear friends here at Lifeline and somebody that I uh, lean on for expertise in my own family. And that's Angela Maines. Angela is the Senior Director for Clinical Services here Lifeline Children's Services. Uh, in plain English, that means that she leads our, our counseling practice uh, as well as our parent coaching ministry. Angela is a, a licensed counselor. She has a wealth of experience. She has certifications in play therapy. She is a play therapy supervisor. She serves our TheraPlay supervisor. She serves uh, on the play therapy board here in the state of Alabama. She is well credentialed and well experienced working with families whose kids um, come from hard places and working in the area of particularly in the area of bonding and attachment and those needs. I love that we have um, experienced trauma therapists on our team like Angela. And so we're going to delve in. We're going to talk a little bit about the transition to summer, why it's so hard, things that we can do as parents, uh, some things even about ourselves today. But before we get there uh, and we jump into that conversation, I want to talk to you about Lifeline's domestic special needs program. Now, ultimately, um, we all value the sanctity of uh, all lives. And one of the ways that we show that is by being able to place children with medical special needs into families who will care for and love them. It's our honor here at Lifeline to be engaged in that ministry and to do that proactively. Um, so right now, our domestic adoption team is, is seeing the need for families who have a heart to adopt children with medical special needs. There are birth moms that are out there that need to know that they're that they are valued and that their babies are precious and that their babies are being placed into families who feel a special calling to be able to parent a child with a medical special need. So if you feel God calling you to medical special needs adoption, uh, we want to talk to you and we want to talk to you about how God might uh, place a child with a special need, but a child in need of a home into your home um, and and, and might might do something incredibly special for that child and for you. You can reach out to us. You can look on our website at lifelinechild.org backslash adoption. Um, you can go through the domestic portal there and find some more information about medical special needs adoption. We'd love for you to reach out to us and, and to have a conversation. You also can go to the show notes uh, for this episode of the Defender Podcast and find some more information there about medical special needs adoption. But if, if you and your spouse have been praying about um, maybe that God might be calling you into a special ministry like this to care for a child 
with some medical differences and some medical needs. Uh, we'd love to have that conversation with you and talk about how Lifeline might be a part of, uh, of helping you to be able to fulfill that calling in your life. And as we move on, we're going to talk about uh, families that have kids in care and families that are uh, that are post adoption and um, what summer looks like. And I think, you know, as Angela and I were talking off air about this before we got started, I, I just made the observation and having been there now, we're by the way, I will just say we're celebrating today. Our last child just took his first job uh, post high school. And so we are we are officially a family who has no more children in school. We have been released from the Hoover school system and the Hoover school system has been released of us. And so we're um, we're both celebrating, but for really 20 years, we walked through that. What do we do now that school's out and and how do we negotiate that with, you know, with a child who um, thrives on structure and has some, you know, has some pretty particular needs that school was a big part of that plan. And so I just made the observation as we were settling in that, you know, I think in a lot of ways, um, this is a fun time for people and it's something we look forward to. But I think there's also it's probably for a lot of families that are like ours, um, there's probably a little bit of anxiousness mixed in with that. Our kids are anxious because their routines are ending and because, you know, because things that they've counted on and, and they, you know, and they don't transition well sometimes. And, and you know what, we don't either. <laughs> and, and so thinking about what we're going to do and, and how our lives are going to change over those three months can be pretty daunting. But to answer that and to help us figure it all out and have amazing answers, I brought the expert in. Um, so seriously, uh, my friend Angela Maines is one of the best people I know to talk about this. And so I'm going to hush. And Angela, talk to us a little, just a little bit about the challenges that families are probably facing right now. Yeah, well, no pressure. Thanks for that buildup. So now they're all going to be grossly disappointed. Um, but I appreciate the vote of confidence. No, it, it is. It's a season where a lot of people are excited usually about the end of the school year. There's all this anticipation, freedom from schedules. And I know as a parent, like that's something we often look forward to. But as you said, it is really hard on our kids, um, especially, you know, teachers have a tendency to either make or break the school experience. Yeah. And so if you've had a really great teacher for the school year, your child has felt safe with them. Those changes of, I don't know what to think about tomorrow. I don't know what to anticipate is going to happen. It can be really unnerving. You've got grief mixed in there. Mm -hmm. um, if they have had a really great teacher, even if they haven't, they've at least known how, what to expect from the bad teacher they've had. And so even that is predictable. And so suddenly all of that is being taken away. And that can be a really overwhelming, and as you said, anxiety provoking experience for our kids and for our parents, because as parents, like you're like, oh man, this is all on me now. I got to figure out what to do with my child. I have to figure out what is going to happen from one day to the next. And that can be very overwhelming when you feel like, okay, I have this little person or not so little person that's going to be talking to me 24 seven, doesn't know what to do with their time, doesn't know how to self entertain or like that nervous chatter because they don't know what to do. Like it's louder and louder. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, I got to survive the next three months of this. Right. Um, and so, you know, doing sometimes people try to fill that with summer camps, yep. which can be a great option for some kids. 
But if that changes from week to week, that can be very overwhelming. It just there's a recipe for disaster for a lot of our families as they think about going into those summer months. So let's kind of take it piece by piece, because in what you said, there was a bunch there and and like a, a, a bunch of considerations. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't already thought about some plans, it's probably here. And it's upon you and you're kind of having to figure out in the middle of things, which for a lot of us as families with kids from hard places, that's our life. We're just kind of figuring out how to how to manage the circumstance we're in. Right. Yeah. And so um, so if you're a mom or a dad and you're waking up today to the reality that today or tomorrow or in a few days, my child is going to be home. What what would be the number one thing that you would say um, maybe for a place to start? Take a deep breath. <laughs> you know, it was we we really like to talk about like, okay, what's going on inside me as the mm. parent? And so that's the best place to start is what am I afraid of? What am I worried about as this goes forward in the next coming months? What is the thing that's building the anxiety for me? Is it that you as a parent aren't going to know how to handle the behavior that comes your way? Maybe you don't feel like you're going to be able to hold the the breadth of emotions that may come at you because they can be intense and they can be a lot. And as a parent, you get the brunt of that more than anybody else. And so that that can be a lot. But so just owning your fears, understanding what you're bringing to the table as a parent and owning your shame, like I think so many of our parents feel so trapped by the fact that they feel so ashamed of the way they feel about their yeah. child and the time that they may have to spend with them. So just to take a, a minute to say, hey, like I promise we've heard it before and you're normal. It's OK. Um, and we're not judging that. We understand that that's part of it, especially when you've got these extraordinarily challenging behaviors that are often coming at you. So take a breath and there are resources and we'll talk about those as well. And I think that's that's such great advice, I think, because, um, you know, the other part of this that can be really difficult is watching everybody else's Facebook and Instagram over the summer. Yes. And so <laughs> everything's picture perfect. So you see these families and I'll, I'll use a personal example. I've said this before on the podcast. My kids know that I talk about this. We kind of laugh about this as a family sometimes. <laughs> but like we, you know, we were the family. I was the dad who had the meltdown in the middle of Disney World. Um, And, you know, and so while you're seeing everybody else's amazing pictures of all of these great things that they did during the summer at Disney World, you know, I'm the guy that stopped and said, this is the happiest place on earth. And doggone it, everybody in this family is going to get happy right now, (laughs) right? Because we were completely overwhelmed. We were completely strung out in, you know, everybody in the fields of their own stuff, Um, you know, one and a half kids that were overstimulated, everybody was tired, nobody, and you know, all that stuff. But I I say all that to say, we do put a load of expectation on ourselves many times. And the expectation is driven by the fact that like, we see what's going on around us and we think that should be us. And I think one of the things that, that maybe Denise and I learned through this process was, um, it doesn't really matter what we try to do or how we try to manage it. Um, 
like our lack of normalcy is going to go with us wherever we go. Like we're just a hot mess rolling up and and there are and there are things that are beyond our control in that. And so I really appreciate you saying that. I'd I'd also like to dive into that a little bit. And and just to kind of talk about from the point of parental expectations, how can we reframe the way we think about those things in order to to really set ourselves up for success, but also to set our kids up for success in in the plans we're trying to make during the summer? Absolutely. I I think a lot of times we forget that there's like this emotional contagion. And so when we're upset or we're frustrated, mm. then that's easy for our kids to catch and it ends up spiraling in a negative way. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't be human or that you can't get upset. And I think that's something that sometimes comes across because at the end of the day, like we are all people and people impact people. Um, and we have these thoughts or beliefs as parents that our kids should look a certain way or do a certain thing. And I think we really have to kind of consider what are the expectations that we're having? And is that realistic for our child? Yeah. You know, what is our child? What are their specific needs and what are they bringing to the table? Because you may have a child who's sensory seeking and you go to Disney World and they love all of the the sensory stimulation right. that they're getting. Right. But you may have a kid who's sensory aversive, who's like <laughs> way overwhelmed by all the things. And even, you know, as a family that's quote unquote typical, even typical kids get overwhelmed sure. by different things. Sure. And so kind of just taking a step back and thinking through what does my specific child need here? Mm-hmm. And and I think what gets really hard, too, is when parents have different kids who have different needs. So then trying to meet all of those yep. different needs at the same time can get really overwhelming. But figuring out, OK, how do I help set this experience up for success to help all of the members of my family get what they're needing, um, depending on what it is and, and where you're at at any given time? And I think, you know, one of the things I would I would kind of pitch into that is to say um, sometimes as parents, the thing that's the triggering moment for us is it's it's the embarrassment in the moment that our kids don't like they don't conform well to the environment that they're in. Yeah. And so they react in ways or they behave in ways that are consistent with, I mean, it's not unpredictable that we're going to, you know, we take a child who is sensory aversive, we take them to Disney World, and then the fact is that they're going to hit the overload point and they're going to, you know, like they're going to have a meltdown. That's that's not, we can see that kind of coming. Yeah. And, but then I think the, the, the secondary issue that you have to deal with there is then how am I going to react to that? And is embarrassment going to be the thing that drives, you know, that drives my reaction to that? Yeah. And so I think what we're advocating for here is, um, no, you don't have to be a superhero parent. No, you don't have to you don't have to get it all right. But there are some things that you can do that will make it a whole lot easier on yourself and will make it a whole lot easier on, you know, on your child. We we learned at Disney World, for instance, that one of the things we had to pack into our schedule that maybe everybody doesn't is we'd go back to the hotel and have to have some quiet time. And so um, and that didn't mean that we went back to the pool. It meant we went back to the room and the room was kind of dark and it was kind of cool and it was kind of a place where, you know, everybody could could rest. Why? Because because we kind of needed those sensory seeking kids to kind of get away or or sensory averse kids. I'm sorry to get away and kind of go, okay. 
we're all right. And then we could kind of go and do some things that were a little bit, you know, challenging for them, but they were, they were more ready to do it instead of being pressed. And, and so, um, so I, I do think from the parent side of this, that, that it's, it does, it takes, just takes a little bit more, you know, a little bit more structure and a little bit more planning. So what would be some of the things you would kind of point parents to in their planning to say, here are some of the things you need to consider or or some of the things that that you want to, you know, maybe even you want to avoid in, you know, in the plans that you're making for your kids. Yeah. And I think that's really good. And it kind of goes back to just keeping in mind, what are those unique needs of your child? Because like you could go to the beach and be thinking, oh, we're just going to have these really relaxed days on the beach where we don't have anything planned. And that can be dysregulating for your child. And so it's like, how do I win? You know, I I feel like I'm in a no win situation. And I think understanding like, even if you're heading to the beach and there is no agenda other than to get up, put on sunscreen and go sit on the beach all day, our kids I like the word that you used. Our kids need to have a structure. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of flexibility even within that structure, but we have to have the structure. And so sometimes that could mean creating a schedule for the next day. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that you've got every minute planned out, but helping kids know, okay, tomorrow we're going to wake up, we're going to eat breakfast, we're going to go to the beach. While you're at the beach, here are two or three activities you can choose to do while we're sitting down there. Right. But just kind of in a very vague general way of giving them an order. Um, some people like to use that picture schedule mm-hmm. where, you, you know, if your child doesn't have as much language or they need the reminders. But something where you can point them back to, okay, here's what's going to happen first, especially on those days that are out of the ordinary, which for a lot of our families, summer is filled with out of the ordinary days. Right. And so helping them to know like, okay, here's the predictability that you're looking for. But as a parent, that sometimes finding a way to structure can feel very overwhelming because it's like, well, I have to tell them what they're doing every minute of every day. And that's not what we're advocating for either, but just kind of creating a system that your child knows with predictability, I can expect some of these same things to be happening each day. And when it's going to be something that is out of the ordinary, helping prepare them for that and giving them some tangible tool to be able to see and know what to expect about what's coming. Because that's a lot of what they get at school each day. So I, I love that. And I love I love that you use the word predictability. Because I think sometimes we we talk about that and we talk about schedule or, you know, we talk about structure. We use the word structure a lot. Mm-hmm. And structure is not necessarily the thing, right? Like we can be incredibly structured and still incredibly unpredictable. Yes. And 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 so the fact that I have a structure in my mind doesn't translate to my child having predictability. And with our kids that struggle with with security and struggle with secure attachment, the thing that they need is predictability. Yeah. And so going that extra mile to help them to orient their day to know that those kind of those islands of predictability are coming. And when you don't have it, that you're communicating and you're being proactive to talk about those things. One of the things we learned, honestly, with a child that struggles with time orientation 
that part of predictability was also helping to like understand the time frames. Yeah. And so literally that might be setting a timer on a watch or it might be an egg timer or those kind of things, but it's using the stuff that you have around you to say, Hey, we're going to do this in an hour. Well, to a child who an hour and five minutes are the same amount of time and they have they have no differentiation. How do we help them to, you know, to kind of think about, well, part of what we do is we mark an hour out for them and we say from now until when this, you know, when the timer on this watch ends, we're going to do this and then we're going to transition to that. And I think one of the things sometimes we get annoyed with, I'm. I'm not, this is not we. One of the things (laughs) I get annoyed with is, is having to have that level of transparency and having to be that intentional about talking through those things and about that being kind of above the surface. And we, we kind of just want that to become um, understood. Yes. But for a lot lot of our kids kids, can do that, but a lot of our kids can't. Right. Yeah. And that is what gets so overwhelming because it feels like you have to be so organized as a parent, maybe to a degree that isn't natural. Yeah. And so that can be it can be a lot of work. It can be overwhelming. Yeah. And so I think I love that what you talked through as far as creating that predictability, setting timers. I think that's great. Yeah. And I think also thinking through, like, what is it that I want my child to really know this summer? You know, what are those big overarching goals? And so it could be goals that are specific to them and Mm -hmm. something developmentally they need to learn. And it could be something just more philosophical, like this is the foundation I want them to be able to stand on. So things like I want them to know that they're loved, but I also want them to know that they're capable and responsible. So how do I help create that? And I believe in you that you can do these things, even though they're hard. So for some kids, setting a timer is going to be a great option. For some, it might just be create an order. Right. Hey, here's your chore list. Here are some of the things I expect you to do each day. Maybe you want your child to learn how to clean the bathroom or you want them to learn how to take out the garbage or whatever it is. Here are the chores that need to be done each day. Maybe you want them to be able to learn how to read. And again, you've got to set these expectations in such a way that's appropriate to their ability level, right? right. Like some of these are going to be way too high a goal for some kids, but for other goals or for other children, like the, the goals are going to be very reachable. So scaffolding them in such a way that they can begin to do that. Yep. So it, it might be, okay, I would like you to take this amount of time. You're going to do this first. You're going to do this second. And then once those are done, you get to do this third. And maybe that's a gift, like something that, you know, they look forward to. Maybe it's building in predictable time of, hey, you know what? When this timer goes off, this is your time to hang with mom. Yep. You know, it can be a number of different things. It's got to fit your family. Yep. And there's not a one size fits all. But doing it in such a way that it's meeting the goals for that particular child and also taking into consideration that child's ability level. Yeah. And not expecting that just because they're 12, they can do X, Y, and Z. Right. Just because they're eight, you know, tailoring it to each one, but doing it in a way that's kind of consistent and reminding them of, hey, yeah, remember, I'm going to point you back to this. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. And then they begin that. Because we're thinking about our child's 
cognitive age right. and their emotional age. We're not thinking about their chronological age. Exactly. And sometimes, again, that's that's one of those things that we, you know, we need reminders in. And so I love, again, that you talk about, you know, setting goals. Those are the kind of things I think for, for us as parents, we need to put those things out in places where we will see them and remember them. Yeah. We talk in terms of, of like always creating those kind of things with our kids with like the visual cues and the, you know, the picture schedules and all those kinds of things. I think as parents and y'all like that's that's biblical, like that's a biblical idea. Um You've heard me say here before about the, you know, really drawing something from the way the way God like interacts with us, the way God interacted with Israel, where he, you know, he said to them over and over, build an altar. Why? Because they were going to need to go back and remember something that God said or something that he did. And there was a there was a moment for them to stand and acknowledge and, and worship God. There's also a thread through scripture that says, um, you know, you go back to the Shema, paint this on the doorpost of your house, put it in places where you'll see it, tie it, you know, between your eyes, bind it to your wrist. There's this idea that we acknowledge that we're people who forget and we become lazy and and we drift. And so it's as important for us to remember those things as it, you know, as it is for our kids. And so. Absolutely. You know, just kind of pointing that out. I do want to I do want to follow up because because you you talked a lot about, you know, the kind of things that you can do. And, and a lot of the examples are about things you can do in your home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a lot of people, the stress comes when we leave sort of the safety and security of our home and we go out. And that might be a trip out to the store. It might be, you know, a trip out to the playground, whatever. But when when we go out into the public is when we, you know, when we add an extra set of variables and and things. And so how do you translate that? What advice would you give about how you translate the way that you're trying to bring predictability and the way that you're trying to build a more, you know, structured environment at home? How do you do that when you go out among the masses? Yeah. I mean, I think like it goes back to a lot of what you said earlier about making explicit the things that you're thinking in your head. Yep. You know, we have those expectations of our kids, but have we told them? Yep. You know, so as you're getting ready to go, um, you know, rather than assume that they understand we've got to get up and go and do this and get dressed because I've got this deadline. Maybe it starts with the night before and saying, hey, tomorrow we're going to go and we're going to go to the store and then we're going to go do this. Here are some of the things that I'm expecting from you on that. I would love for you to be able to go to the car quickly and easily. Let's see, you can skip or you could run to the car. Um, you can choose two or three toys to bring in the car with you. Like again, setting up for success. So what what is going to help your child be able to sustain? What do they need to have with them to help them be able to meet the demands of the day? But you start talking about those things sometimes the night before. And then those reminders Remember, we talked about I you're we're going to listen and obey right away. We're going to get in the car and we're going to go with the flow like Play-Doh. You know, we're going to whatever those little reminders can be for them to help them get some scripts and then reminders ahead of time so that when things start to go awry. Hey, while we're in the store, we're not going to ask for candy at the checkout aisle. Um, we're not going to do this and this, right. but when we're done, we are going to go get lunch or, hey, I am going to have snacks in the car ready for yeah. you. 
So kind of anticipating like, where are those hot button moments? Like, like as a young mom, I would avoid taking my children to the store sure. like the plague because sure. I hated it because they were always grabbing at everything right. and I got stressed out. And so it's like thinking through, okay, I know that these are going to be the things that my child is going to want to ask for while we're there and I'm not prepared to say yes. Or if there is something you're prepared to say yes for, helping say, okay, when we get there, you are allowed to ask for this or this. And just kind of setting those parameters for them ahead of time and then reminding them of them in the moment when they forget. Yeah. And I think I think also I, the only thing I would add to that is is um, giving themselves and and yourself the grace to know that nobody's going to bat a thousand. Exactly. Right. <laughs> all kids fall apart. Right. I think we have this expectations that kids are supposed to be able to hold it together all the time. And the reality is we as adults don't hold it together right. all the time. Right. Um, so, yeah, if you have a meltdown in the store, the world is not going to end. And you can have an escape plan in your head ready to go, yeah. too. And I think, you know, I think also um, thinking in terms of those things about the things that you set out to work on, the things that you set out. um like there's only so much you can do. Absolutely. And so there may be, you know, going to the store, for instance, that and, I, and I'm not just talking about like, I don't want to give this the feel of just young kids. Right. This, you know, like we've we've walked this walk with teenagers and mm. young adults. And, and so sometimes it's about what's appropriate conversation in the store versus what's appropriate conversation at home or whatever. But. But I think sometimes we want to like we want to do too much. Yeah. And and we we kind of set unrealistic expectations for our kids when in reality, look for like that one thing. Yes. Right. Like look. For, and, and you know that you, there may be five things that you want to change, but one thing that you actually can can focus on. And one thing that your child is able to focus on in a given environment. Yeah. And and then how can you reinforce and reward and celebrate and all those sorts of things? Because, you know, at the end of the day, and maybe this is just the old guy in me that's, you know, being a little bit, you know, melancholy because I just sent my last one off to a job. But you're running a marathon. You're you're not you're not running a sprint race. That's right. Um, and and summer is one of those. It's just another it's another, you know, period in the marathon. It is. And I, I love that because I think I think you can think about things like going to the store. Maybe your goal for that day is my child won't steal something today. Right. You know, and that's a very <laughs> valid goal, right? You know, it, it, and I think that we think that that's an expectation that we shouldn't have to make explicit. Right. Right. Like that should be understood. But for a lot of our kids, especially our really impulsive ones, they do it without thinking about 100%. it. And so maybe that's the goal for the day. And then you celebrate, wow, you made it all the way to the store and you so didn't take our goal, something. Our goal is to not get arrested today. <laughs> and that's what we're, but no. I, but, and but we're like, laughing, but there's some so many serious undertones. To <laughs> it's this. really. And, and and here's the thing. Like, I think we you know, we we do. And we kind of talk through benign examples and things like that. But the truth is, we know um, I know as you know, as a family who's walked through this, you know, as someone who's who's walked through a lot of things with a lot of families. Those things are really real. Very. You know, we want to make it all the way through the store without using a word that's going to offend anybody. 
And maybe yeah. it's, you know what, maybe you get through the store and they only use three and you're like, wow, that was such a great improvement from the 20 you might normally have, you know, I mean, it's very real. And so it's like looking at it in terms of those lagging skills of, you know what, they've got these or maybe it's even they're using a word instead of punching somebody. Right. Right. Like there's levels and that's where it has to be tailored to your family and your kids. And that's tough. And I think at the end of the day, we have to acknowledge as parents, we have expectations and those expectations are set by the the people around us, by the circumstances around us, by our lives and our upbringing and a lot of other things. They're, they're set in many cases by, you know, the word of God and the norms that, yeah. that we see there. But the truth is we're trying to grow our kids towards something. We're trying to help them to become something. And the reality is that they're, they haven't become that yet. Yeah. Um, and, and so when we're able to see some forward progress, when we're able to see a step forward, that's, that's a good thing and a thing to be celebrated. But sometimes when we see that there's not a step forward, we just, we have to sort of, you know, stand back and, and realize that that means we just dust ourselves off and we stand back up and we start over again. And sometimes that causes, you know, discomfort or causes dissonance with the people around us. And you know what? The reality is summer is a time when that's going to happen more than it does in the rest of the year where you have a whole lot more predictability and a whole lot more certainty in most people's cases. And and so I think that's part of what we want to say to families as well, is that there is going to be probably a level of stress and there's going to be a level of difference during this time. So we're kind of trying to think about that too, right? Yeah. For families. And, and we want to be here to help. So, Angela, why don't you just, as we're kind of winding our time down today, why don't you just talk a little bit about the ways Lifeline is prepared to come alongside families and some of the things we can do to help during the summer or at other times when families you know, need a little extra support? Absolutely. Well, and, and as Rick said, just to encourage you all, like, have grace for yourselves when you get it wrong. Have grace for your children when they get it wrong. And as parents, don't be afraid to ask for a redo. And that will model <laughs> that for your children as well. Um, so that's just one side note. And that's a really great tip that our parent coaches will use a lot with families. And so that is one of our best services that we have. And what I love about our parent coaching is that it's available to people no matter where you're at. Yep. Um, so there's um, a, a whole team of parent coaches that are available and ready to walk through learning how do I navigate the specifics that my child are bringing to the table? Yeah. How do I help them figure out how to be their best selves? And so it's working directly with parents, not because our parents are bad. We have great parents. And that's one of the things I hear a ton from our staff is mm. our parents are engaged and invested and they want to do what's best for their kids. But we don't always know what that means or what that looks like. And so for for more help f figuring out what does our summer need to look like for our mm. child, our team is there and ready to help with that. Our counseling services are available as well. We are a little more limited by location, mm -hmm. um, but we do have 
clinicians in Louisiana, in Alabama, in Tennessee, um, North Carolina, and Georgia. Yeah. And so we we do want, if you need a higher level of help than what our parent coaches are able to do, which really is just figuring out how to apply those therapeutic principles of parenting to your family, um, then our counselors are there to work on some of those deeper issues that that might be harder to overcome. Yeah. Um, and so we just, we love being able to be a resource in that way. In addition to some of just the different um, educational materials that are out there on the website or on social media. Um, a couple of our parent coaches, Lynn and Ivy, have several videos that are being mm. posted on social media right now that are fun, um, engaging, practical tips that you can apply and figure out, give you ideas for what to do with your kids this summer. Yeah. And so we're just trying to make all this accessible through our Lifeline social media account. Mm -hmm. So if you go to, it's at Lifeline Child across all of the major social media channels. Um, you can find us on Facebook and other places where, where those things are available. There are all kinds of resources in, uh, in the education portion of our website. And, and so there are, videos and courses and all kinds of things there that'll that'll delve into things but but truly I, I and I, I want to emphasize on when we talk about parent coaching here um, it's a really easy thing to do it's a really easy thing to get started you're meeting on like a zoom call kind of environment with uh, with someone who has a lot of experience and who has um, a lot of giftedness and and they're gonna they're gonna kind of go one-on-one -on -one with you and your child um, talking to you about your home and your challenges and those sorts of things and I can tell you like I I feel like that this is the hair club for men thing I, I can't really Really be a client, um, but because I get to work so closely with this team, um, I know from over the years of just having a minute and saying, "Hey, here's something we're dealing with at home. What do you think?" Um, that the 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 individualized time and the thinking about not you know not generalities, but my child, me, our family, our circumstances, the the number of things that we've been able to troubleshoot and have been able to work through and and the helpfulness that that has provided for us is amazing. Um, and that kind of that kind of personal attention is available to you. It's available to everyone through mm -hmm. our parent coaching service. We've made um, we've made great, effort to try to keep that affordable, to try to keep that accessible so that families are, are, are able to, you know, to avail themselves of that service. So if somebody was interested in parent coaching, where do they go on the website to find it? Yeah, go under CR services and then there's counseling and support, I believe is the, mm -hmm. the tagline. And then there are three options at the top of that page that include um, parent coaching, counseling, family counseling and education support. And so just click on that parent coaching button and that will help guide you toward the right form to fill out. Yep. And then our team will be in touch with you. And there's a form on the website. You can put your information there. Someone will respond to you. Same thing for counseling. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a little bit more information and an FAQ and some things on the counseling page. But if you fill that form out, that gets to Angela's team. And um, there is someone who will respond to you and begin the process with you and figure out if it's right, uh, right for us and right for you for us to take that step with you, or they might route you to parent coaching or educational services or some of those other things that are, that are more appropriate for your family. Well, um, Angela, 
thank you so much. Um, it's always a pleasure to have the opportunity to have a conversation with you on the podcast. And, uh, and uh, we are, we're really grateful for your expertise. So thanks. And um, we will all covet to be right back here together again next week um, as as a part of the Defender Podcast family. We're thankful for you. If there's some way that we can minister to you or help you along the way, Lifeline is here to do that. You can reach us at lifelinechild.org is our website. Everything is there. Um, you, can find, uh, you can find a link to that in our show notes and everything about the ministry of Lifeline and the ways that we connect with families and churches um, in order to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children, vulnerable families is there. And so I'm Rick Morton, and we thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you again on the Defender Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.